So uh, when I thought about all that had gone on this past week in United Methodism, um, you know, I thought about uh, just throwing away my sermon for the day, cutting our series on Samson short. But as I started studying uh, the last part of Samson's story, I found a lot of hope in it. And God spoke a message of hope and empowerment and strength in it. It's funny how the Spirit works that way sometimes, right? And so I pray that today's message, uh, in it you may find hope and empowerment and strength as well. And so I want to begin with uh, what seems like a typo in the Bible, um, an error in it. And uh, it's in the New Testament book of Hebrews, Chapter 11, but uh, before we get there, the book of Hebrews was written to a group of early Christians who were struggling in their faith. At this time, some of them have walked away from the church. Some of them have walked away from the faith altogether. They've got questions. They've got doubts. They're wrestling with all of these things. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to give them some hope, some encouragement to continue forward, to build them up in strength. And so by the time we finally get to that, this is like the climax of that whole argument. It comes to Hebrews chapter 11. And you may have heard this before. This is how this chapter starts. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. That even though we may not see it with our human eyes does not mean that it isn't true in God's eyes. That even though we may not see it doesn't mean that it's not there in God's reality. And so the chapter goes on to tell about all these amazing things that all of these people have done throughout the history of Israel. It talks about uh, how Abraham, by faith, left everything to go and follow God. That Moses, by faith, went to Pharaoh in Egypt and said, let my people go. All of these amazing things done by faith. And then he goes on after saying all of this, he says, and what more shall I say? I do not have the time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson. Whoa, Samson. Interesting. And Jephthah. About David and Samuel and the prophets who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength. And who became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. Now, if you know your Bible, a lot of those names that are listed there, they, they kind of make sense in this list of the heroes of the faith. But also, if you've been with us throughout the past couple weeks, that when you see Samson's name up there, you might be a little bit surprised that he's listed here among the rest of the heroes of the faith. That everybody else had their weakness turned into strength. I mean, David, he was just this scrawny little shepherd boy, but he stood up to the giant Goliath and slayed him. Weakness turned into strength. But Samson, Samson was someone who was incredibly strong, but he became incredibly weak. He was incredibly strong physically, but incredibly weak spiritually. He was all bronze, but no brains. 
He was constantly led by lust, entitlement, and pride. Instead of being spirit-led, he constantly took steps away from God because he had been given this Nazarite vow since he was born, a vow that he would never drink any alcohol, that he would never touch a dead thing, that he would never get his hair cut, the threefold vow of a Nazarite, and he broke every single one of them. He's one of the most frustrating characters in the entire Bible. And so if you were with us last week, we left off with Samson getting a bad haircut from Delilah. And now he's a prisoner of his enemies, the Philistines, and his eyes have been gouged out. He's forced onto essentially a treadmill where he's made the laughingstock of the whole world. And so it says this, Judges sixteen twenty one. Then the Philistines seized him gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. A sad shell of a once strong man that his great strength had now turned to weakness. And so how did, how did someone who had failed so badly and failed so often become listed as one of the heroes of the faith? How, how does this happen? Certainly it's a mistake. Certainly it's a typo in the Bible. Well, we're not defined by our mistakes. We're defined by God's grace. And that's the good news. The good news is that even in our greatest failures, God can still make a future. Man, that's a word that I needed to hear this week as a United Methodist pastor. That even in our greatest failures, God can still make a future. Maybe that's a word that you need to hear as well. That Samson at this point, he, he seems to be done for. And, and we believe that, that God could not possibly use him anymore. But take a look at what happens next. It says, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. That he's beginning to get his strength back. And so, tells us that, you know, the worst thing, it's never the last thing. That with God, there are no dead ends. That this is not the end. God is not done with him yet. That despite his failures, God can still use him. And so here's how it all went down. Literally. It says the Philistines, they were having a party to celebrate Samson's capture. And while they were there, they brought him out to laugh at him. And so it says, when the people saw him, they praised their God, Dagon, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. This man who was so strong has now become the laughingstock. He's being laughed at in the middle of this arena. And so maybe for the first time in this story, you've got just an ounce of pity for Samson. Maybe for the first time you can sympathize with him just a little bit. I mean, have you ever been laughed at and mocked because of a failure? Have you ever felt like your 
biggest failure has become this public spectacle for all the world to see? Like the whole world is watching you fail as you lose your strength? And so we have two choices to make in the midst of failure. The first one is we can choose regret. And what regret often comes with is shame or blame. That we can feel shame believing that, that this is really what we deserve. We, we deserve this failure. That not only did we do wrong, but that we are wrong. And we internalize the failure. Or we try to externalize it and we blame others. Saying, it's not really my fault that I'm in the situation that I'm in right now. It's, it's their fault. They did this to me. But either way, regret always keeps us trapped in our past. Regret always keeps us trapped in your past. But, but your past is just supposed to be a place that you learn from, not a place that you live in. Your past is for your reference. Your past is not for your residence. That you are not the sum of your mistakes. That you have a higher calling that God has called you to in your life. That God has already spoken over you who you are. You are a beloved child of God. You are a person of great sacred worth in the eyes of God. You are created in the image of God. But what often holds people back, what often holds people back from living into that reality and pursuing what God is calling them to pursue is that there's something in the past, there's a failure that they can't seem to get over. But you are not what you did. You are who God says that you are. Don't let, you, don't let what you did keep you from where you're going. And so the other option that we have when we're in the midst of failure is repentance. Now you can't unsin, you can't unfail, but you can repent. And, and you know, re- repentance isn't just saying, I'm sorry. That's a good first place to start, but, but repentance calls us to something so much more than that. Repentance calls us to change our lives around. Repentance, repentance calls us not to go back from the same place from whence we came. Repentance calls us to turn around and head in a new direction, a direction that leads to life, a direction that leads to freedom, a direction that leads to love and hope and faith and all the good things that God has promised for us. That is what repentance calls us to. I love the way that uh, John Maxwell put it. He said this. He said, people have uphill hopes and downhill habits. I love that. People have uphill hopes and downhill habits. We all hope for something better. We all hope for something greater, something more, something that inspires our faith within us, but we all have a habit of going downhill. Going downhill is easy. And it's fast. And oftentimes, it's a whole lot of fun. And you know, sin and bondage they're always downhill. It's always easy to go downhill. It's, it's easy. And it's fun at times. It's easy to get into debt. And you know what? You probably have a whole lot of fun doing it until you get the credit card statement in the mail. 
It's easy to have an affair. And it's a whole lot of fun until your marriage falls apart. It's easy to become addicted. And you might have some fun nights doing it. But we're not called to be downhill people. We're not called to be downhill people. You know, Samson went downhill quickly. And it seems like he had a whole lot of fun doing it. But repentance calls us to go uphill. And it's always difficult to turn around. Once you've been going downhill for so long, it's always difficult to turn around and try to head back uphill. To start that climb back up again. It's hard. But it's worth it. And it will demand more strength from you. It will demand more courage. It will demand more power. It will demand more stability. But here's the good news, is that God's grace is there to meet us every step of the way. That Jesus invites us to take his yoke upon us. For he says, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah, it's still a yoke. Yeah, it's still a burden. There's no way getting around that. It's going to be uphill, but it's fitting for where I am calling you to, Jesus says. So what's God calling you to fight for that's uphill? What's God calling you to fight for that's going to be difficult, but it's worth it? What's God calling you to fight for that's uphill? The story goes on and it says, When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against him. They put him between the two pillars that held the whole thing up. Somebody say, What a dumb idea. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof, there were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. Let me have with one blow, get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. He turns to God in a private moment to ask God, just this once more, just once more, strengthen me. A private moment with God. Because, you know, sometimes it's not enough to win the public battles, but you got to win the private ones too. Strengthen me, Lord, just one more time. You see, it's when Samson couldn't see that he began to believe. That they had taken out his eyes, but through it, he began to have faith. And you know what faith is? We said it earlier. Faith is the confidence in things hoped for. It's the assurance of things not yet seen. It says that we walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. It says that God's grace... Is sufficient in our weakness. When we feel down and out, that's when God's grace is the strongest. That God's power is made perfect in our weakness and that we delight in it. For when we are weak, then we are strong. When we have the courage to call out, God, I need you because I'm weak, 
That's when we feel our strength coming back. That when we can call out to God and say, God, I don't deserve it, but I'm asking just one more time, strengthen me. That's when our strength begins to grow. When we call out to God and we say, God, I know that I can fall, but I can't do this without you. That's when God's strength is made perfect in our weakness, that even in our failures, God can make a future. Strengthen me once more, once more. So it says, then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them. His right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. He braced himself. That stuck out to me this week. That he braced himself. That, you know, he, he could have given up. He could have just accepted his defeat. He, he could have just let them do whatever it is that they wanted to do. He could have just given up and given in. But instead, he braced himself. That when all seems lost, when all hope seems lost, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you've hit rock bottom? What are you going to do when you're down, but you ain't out yet? What are you going to do when you're disappointed and hurt? What are you going to do when you feel weak, but your strength is beginning to grow back? Brace yourself. You brace yourself and you give everything you got, that last little bit of strength that you have, and you use it for something good. So with one final push, Samson brought down the house, sacrificing himself and bringing down the Philistines with him. It's a terrible, tragic story. But also in this moment, we see that Samson wasn't thinking about saving himself. He risked it all. For the first time, he wasn't looking out for only himself. He wasn't just doing whatever seemed right in his own eye, but he was seeking to serve the people that he was first called to serve that even in our failures, God can still use us to accomplish his purposes. So I, I need you to hear that this morning. That even though you may feel down, you're not out. Strength is coming back. Brace yourself. Brace yourself. Because church, we're not done yet. I'm not done yet. I've got a whole lot of fight still left within me. It's not over. It's not over. We've still got a whole lot of ministry left to do. We've still got a whole lot to fight for. You know, church attendance nationwide, is, it's, it's on the decline. And you know what? We deserve that. <laughs> We deserve that after this last week and how we've treated each other, how we've treated the LGBTQ community. That, that's, that's, how, that's what we deserve. But you know what else? That's not a reality here. That we're on the rise. And that I think that we're doing the hard work of climbing uphill. 
And yet there's still plenty of people for us to reach out and love to. There's still plenty of people for us to share the good news of Jesus with. There's still plenty of ministries of mercy and justice for us to do. There's still plenty of work for us to do in this world. There's still plenty of people for us to reach out to and have them encounter the love of Jesus and find Christian community that could transform their lives. There's still plenty of work to be done. We're not finished yet. We're not out of it yet. I think our strength is coming back. And so Samson may have died. But it was just the beginning of something new. Sometimes it takes dying to yourself to find new birth. And so if you remember, when Samson was born, he was born with a very specific task. That an angel of the Lord came to Samson's mother and said this. He said, you will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb and he will take the lead in delivering Israel. Or another way to put that is he will begin to deliver Israel. He will begin in delivering Israel from the hands of your enemies, the Philistines. See, Samson Samson was just the beginning. He wasn't the end. He was just the beginning of deliverance. It it didn't end with him. And in fact, with the end of Samson came something new. That the days when the judges judged and did whatever seemed right in their own eyes, those days would come to an end. And from the ashes of Israel would come up a king, a throne that that once weak boy that was made strong, David, would sit upon. And then from his line would come Jesus, who would finish the deliverance that Samson had begun. It would be Jesus who would finally deliver us from our greatest enemies by being delivered into the hands of his own enemies. You and me. While we're yet still sinners, Christ died for us. While we're still broken, while we're still keeping an eye out only for ourselves, Christ died for us to set us free. And his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so I want to end today um, with, with a time of, of prayer together. Uh, because I, I think that um, over these last few weeks, that God has been uh, teaching us, you know, what real strength looks like, what, what courage really looks like. Uh, but we're still kind of wrestling with that. And so I'm going to end with a time of prayer, and uh, the band's going to come up and play one last song. And so I, I invite you into this time. Um, if you'd like, you can come down to the altar. You can stay at your seat. Um, but to all who are weak and in need of strength and encouragement and hope, I invite you to pray with me. God, it feels like sometimes we're right between the pillars. Lord, sometimes it feels like 
our sin, our shame, our disobedience is on display not only before you, but God, for all the world to see. And Lord, sometimes we seem stuck between that. But God, give us the faith to say thank you for the pillars. Thank you for this place that you have placed us in so that we can lean not on ourselves, but God, so that we could lean on you. Lord, so that we could find that between the pillars, that we would know that our strength in ourselves is not enough, but God, your strength is enough for us, that it is sufficient. Help us to lean upon you. Help us to brace ourselves as we humbly ask for you again to strengthen us just once more. Lord, we know our weakness. But God, make your strength complete in us. For you are the God of second chances. You are the God who makes a way when there seems to be no way. You are the God of the empty tomb and the resurrection and new life. Lord, help us to lean into that, to live into that, to find new strength and courage in that. Lord Jesus, we need you. Help us, we pray. Give us new strength in your name. Amen.